This is a BBP News election update. Several states held their primaries this week, and we're going to take a look at the key results from those right now. Starting in Colorado in the governor's race, incumbent Jared Polis, Democrat, will be taking on Republican Heidi Ganahl. And then for representatives in District 7, for Democrats, Brittany Pedersen will be taking on Republican Eric Adland. In the Senate, Michael Bennett, the incumbent Democrat, will be taking on Republican Joe O'Day. In Illinois, we have the governor's race once again, and the incumbent J.P. Pritzker, Democrat, will be taking on Darren Bailey, Republican. For representatives in District 1, we have the Democrat Jonathan Jackson, and on the Republican side, Eric Carlson is in the lead, but that has not been called at the time of recording. In District 16, there are no Democrats running in this primary, and Darren LaHood is the Republican candidate. In District 17, we have Democrat Eric Swanson going up against Republican Esther Joy. In the Senate, incumbent Tammy Duckworth, Democrat, will be going up against Republican Kathy Salvi. Now, on Sunday, we did say that Maryland was holding their primary this week, but their primaries will be taking place actually on July 19th, so we'll skip that for now. And then in the state of New York, we have the governor's race once again. And for the Democratic side, we have the current governor, Kathy Hochul, seeking her first full term. And she'll be going up against Republican Lee Zeldin. And the primaries for the U.S. House seats in New York will be taking place on August 23rd. So we'll hold off on those races right now. For the Senate, incumbent Chuck Schumer, Democrat, will be going up against Republican Joe Pinion. Now we move to Oklahoma, where in the governor's race, Kevin Stitt, the Republican and the incumbent, will be going up against Joy Hoffmeister, Democrat. For representatives, there are no key races to talk about. And then in the Senate, we have two races to talk about. First is James Lankford, the Republican incumbent. He'll be going up against Madison Horn. And then Senator James Inhofe announced his retirement from the Senate in January. So there's a special election going on for that. And for that, we have a runoff on the Republican side between Mark Wayne Mullen and T.W. Shannon. And then on the Democratic side, it'll be Kendra Horn running in that race. Then we have Utah, where the governor was not up for re-election, and there are no key races to point out in the House. And then in the Senate, we have incumbent Mike Lee, Republican, with no Democratic candidate listed for that race. And we do have a runoff alert for South Carolina. In the Senate, on the Democratic side, Crystal Matthews won the runoff there, and she'll be going up against incumbent and Republican Tim Scott. And then in Mississippi, we have the District 3 runoff for Republicans, where Michael Guest was the winner, and he will be going up against Democrat Shawaski Young. This has been a BBP News election update. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of BBP News. I'm Nicholas Rod, and I'm here alone this morning once again. But we are back with another Friday morning episode and a wrap-up of the news week. But before we get into anything, let's jump into the weather like we always do, headed into this weekend. In Los Angeles, California, it'll be clear today with a high of 85 and a clear weekend. Crystal clear skies throughout the weekend in Los Angeles. 
In Houston, Texas, expect some drizzle today with a high of 89 degrees and a mostly clear weekend. In Chicago, Illinois, expect cloudy skies today with a high of 83, with those clouds dissipating over the weekend with a mostly clear end of the weekend for you guys. And then in New York City, it'll be mostly clear today with a high of 88, with some rain coming in Saturday and then partly cloudy skies on Sunday. But we are back, like I said, with another episode, and not much to talk about in the intro this morning, as has been pretty common lately. We have a pretty full show this morning, so it's best to just jump right in. Let's not dilly-dally. And we start off with a surprise hearing from the January 6th committee. On Tuesday, the January 6th House Select Committee held a surprise last-minute hearing before they officially went on recess. Like the hearing from last week, I'm just going to go through the major points, but If you would like to listen to the hearing in its entirety, the link to it will be in the show notes. The key point to this hearing was to give insight into what was going on inside the White House in the days leading up to January 6th, as well as what was happening during the attack on the 6th. There was one witness during this hearing, Cassidy Hutchinson, who was a senior aide for former Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. Hutchinson started out by talking about how there were already concerns about what might happen on the 6th starting on January 2nd, thanks to a conversation with Rudy Giuliani, where he told her that the president was marching to the Capitol on the 6th to speak with senators. We then learned that there were several reports coming in during the following couple of days that suggested that there could potentially be violence taking place on January 6th. We then got to hear about the weapons that people had during President Trump's rally at the Ellipse, which included knives, guns, bear spray, spears, flagpoles, and even spears attached to flagpoles. The guns included pistols and AR-15s, which we learned from a clip of police radio transmissions from that day. There were also people spotted with body armor and military-grade equipment, such as backpacks and helmets. According to Hutchinson, President Trump didn't care that the people at the rally had weapons. She talked about how Trump ordered the metal detectors and screening stations to be taken away so that people could come in without worrying about their weapons being taken. According to Hutchinson, Trump said that he didn't care about the weapons. They weren't there to hurt him, so take the mags away, the mags being the screening stations. Hutchinson also talked about Meadows' lack of reaction to the start of the violence at the Capitol, only worrying about how much time was left in the president's speech when she told him that the Capitol Police were being overwhelmed. We then learned that President Trump had been planning to go to the Capitol with the rioters, with their original plan being to march with them, but then switching to riding the presidential limo, also known as the Beast. There were also talks of what would happen once President Trump reached the Capitol, with one idea being that he would give another speech on the front steps, and another being that he would march into the House chamber. However, this was stopped through a combined effort of Hutchinson, Deputy Chief of Staff Tony Ornato, and the Secret Service. That being said, Hutchinson talked about a conversation she had with Robert Engel, the Secret Service agent who was in the Beast heading back to the White House, who said that President Trump tried to grab the steering wheel and then lunged at Angle in anger because they weren't going to the Capitol. Hutchinson also testified about how President Trump stated that Vice President Mike Pence, quote, deserved it in regards to the chance of, quote, hang Mike Pence coming from the Capitol rioters. 
Committee Vice Chair Liz Cheney also showed that soon after President Trump's 224 tweet about Vice President Pence not having enough courage, several members of the White House staff resigned along with cabinet members. This included Secretary Betsy DeVos, the Secretary for the Department of Education, along with Elaine Chao of the Department of Transportation. Ivanka Trump had pleaded with her father to urge people to go home and for the violence to stop, but he was reluctant to do so. On the following day, several White House staff members, including Meadows, Hirschman, and Cipollone, along with Ivanka Trump and others, convinced the president to put out remarks to start the national healing. However, in these remarks, President Trump still could not say the line that stated that the election was over. That brings us to the end of day six of the hearings. As of right now, the next hearing is not officially scheduled. However, it is expected to take place after the House's recess period, which will last until July 11th. The Department of Health and Human Services is taking several steps to try and protect the rights of women across the country to receive medication, abortion, and proper health care and privacy. In remarks made by Secretary Becerra on Tuesday, we got a look at what the department is able to do at this time following the decision from the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade. He announced first the efforts of the department to continue access to medication abortion for the cases of saving the life of the mother, rape, or incest, as per federal law. Secondly, he announced the efforts of the Civil Rights Office within the department to ensure patient privacy and non-discrimination for patients seeking health care and for providers who offer reproductive health care. Next, he talked about the effort to ensure the protection of clinical judgment from doctors and hospitals when treating pregnant patients and their ability to use abortion care to stabilize patients to the full extent of the law. He is also directing all agencies within the Department of Health and Human Services to ensure that doctors, clinics, pharmacists, and others have the training and resources required to help patients find the care they need and to help them navigate their health rights following the Supreme Court's decision. He had also ordered the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services to take every legal step possible to protect their right to family planning care, including emergency contraceptives and long-term birth control. Within this order, he had also asked CMS to ensure that family planning providers can take part in the Medicaid program. HHS has also released guidance pertaining to privacy rights of those using reproductive health care, what information can and can't be sent to third parties. It also discusses the best practices to keep information secure and only available to you. The link to this guidance will be linked in the show notes. Members of the court, I am pleased to welcome Justice Jackson to the court and to our common calling. Yes, it has happened. Katanji Brown Jackson has been sworn into the Supreme Court. This makes her the first black female justice within the Supreme Court in the nation's history. She replaces Stephen Breyer, who has been a justice within the Supreme Court since 1994. It is important to note that Jackson stepping in as the next justice does not impact the split between liberal and conservative justices. The split still stands at 6-3, with conservatives standing in the majority. Katanji Brown Jackson's addition to the Supreme Court also brings another milestone, as she is the first former public defender to sit on the bench. 
Jackson will be hearing some major cases right at the start of the next term, including a case surrounding the Voting Rights Act, as well as the federal government's power to control wetlands and protect wetlands under the Clean Water Act. The war in Ukraine following Russia's invasion remains ongoing, with fighting entering its fifth month. For weeks now, Russia's main focus of attack has been the eastern region of Ukraine. However, they have also begun to launch missiles at Kyiv and other regions far from the eastern region once again. That being said, Ukraine did achieve a massive feat this week, pushing Russian forces away from Snake Island, which is located in the Black Sea. While Ukraine continues to say that it was their missile strikes and constant offensive that pushed Russia out, the Kremlin has stated that they pulled the troops out to allow for grain exports to come out of Ukraine. Also this week, Ukraine was able to secure 144 of their soldiers which had been taken prisoner by Russia, and this took place in a massive swap deal. At this time, the fighting looks no closer in coming to an end, but the U.S. is continuing to provide support in major ways. Near the end of the NATO summit in Madrid, President Biden announced another $800 million in aid to Ukraine. This aid includes more ammunition, more radar equipment, more artillery weaponry, new air defense systems, and more. The president stated that the movement on this aid should be coming within the next few days. Now getting into rapid news, U.S. health officials are telling COVID-19 vaccine makers to adjust their booster doses to help protect against variants of the virus that could become prevalent when cold weather returns in the fall. R&B singer R. Kelly has been sentenced to 30 years in prison for sex trafficking and racketeering. And in their last decision of the term, the Supreme Court decided by a 5-4 vote that the Biden administration can eliminate the Trump-era policy known as Remain in Mexico. Now, getting into good news for today, we have just such a cool story. In Scotland, there is a 100-year-old man who is traveling 12 hours a week just to work at a charity shop. David Flucker travels two hours each way, three days a week, just to get to this shop. Like I said, it is a charity shop. It's a shop where people donate their stuff, and it is sold on for low prices from there to people that need it. And like I said, David travels two hours each way, so four hours round trip, three days a week. And he says he does it on the busiest days of the week, that being Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And he said that this includes two bus rides, and a 20-minute walk to the store. He does this because he has been fighting cancer for numerous years and just wants to live every day uh, the best that he can, and he wants to help people as much as he can. So he is just pushing so hard. He's He retired originally back when he was 72 years old, but he is still deciding to work when he can and deciding to help as much as he can. And he says his favorite part about it all is just being able to chat with everyone that comes in, whether they're coming in to donate or buy or just to even look around. He says he loves chatting with everyone. The social aspect is wonderful. And he loves to be able to help in any way he can. And he believes that this is a good way of doing that. And it's just awesome. It's so awesome. 100 years old and traveling that much uh, just to help out and to work in a charity shop truly heartwarming you know that that's determination that's power that's just 
a lot of heart right there. I love this story, but that is the end of this Friday morning episode. We will be back with you tomorrow, actually, with the July edition of Good News, and then on Sunday with a week ahead schedule, and then back on Monday with a wrap-up of the news weekend. But until tomorrow, you guys, follow us on Twitter. Look in the show notes for the two links that I discussed before, those being the January 6th hearing, as well as the guidance from Health and Human Services. Follow us on Twitter, like I said, link in the show notes. Share us around. We're on all platforms. Give us a share if you like what we do, and we'll be back here tomorrow. See you later, guys.